0: Like we just start talking and then at some point we like introduce ourselves so we're like it kind of sounds like we're in the middle of a conversation when the podcast starts.
1: Oh okay that's cute.
2: Sure.
3: And eventually we talk about Star Wars. (laughs) You know I
2: kind of feel like we we started recording right now I feel like this is a good this is a good segment to use. so I can start off if if we're going to a transition. We're committed. Kick it off. All right I'm Sharif. My pronouns are he,
0: him, and he, him, his. Hey, I'm Greg, old time favorite, the only favorite, honestly. Pronouns today are his, hers, and theirs because I want everything that is mine.
1: Get into it. I am Soraya. My pronouns are she and they.
4: I'm Jazz, he, him. And uh, I'm here making my debut. You're welcome.
3: And hey, everybody, this is Ian. Uh, I use he, him pronouns, and I live at the Brick and Mortar Collective. We didn't really cr- credential ourselves this episode, but and this is kind of out of order in general. But this is where you get organic introductions. Um, so in the grand tradition of leftists who faced a massive defeat at the hands of an indifferent neoliberal state, we will be making a cultural turn this episode. As Joe Biden's star rises, we shall turn to the cultural arena and discuss the works of George Lucas and uh, the movies of Star Wars. Uh, we decided that this seems like a good use of our time because we watched some of them and they're kind of ridiculous. And the implications that you can draw from them are troubling. Um, basically, yeah, we're kind of going to look at a couple of cultural artifacts over the next whenever we keep threatening to do Harry Potter. We're going to do a Hunger Games episode. I watched all those goddamn movies again. We're going to do an episode about it but basically looking at kind of the way that the United States, especially uh, folks channel their political analysis often through these sort of cultural touchstones. We're gonna talk about them as films um, and kind of look at some of the assumptions uh, and the construction of their world. I heard somebody say once that like, everyone should be required to write a novel because it reveals a lot about yourself. And I think like a nation's pop culture can reveal a lot about how that nation sees the world. So that's why we're doing this. Also, we just want to talk about fucking Star Wars. That's why we have the most people on this episode of any of our episodes. Um, we miss Michelle. Uh, Shout out to Michelle. Uh, She will be back with us eventually. But today we're going to dive into the prequels, the we just, we just, they were in numerical order. I know he didn't make them in this order. I watched them all too, but yeah, we're going to start off with some opinions and then we have a lot of, a lot of different things that uh, a number of us ad-libbed and put together here, but maybe we just start off folks. Uh What are your opinions of these movies? Maybe just a, a line on episode one, two, and three. We're not going to get into the whole summary of their plots. If you want a summary of their plots, there are lots of videos on the internet, go find them. But yeah, does anybody want to start us off with their opinions of these prequels?
0: Y'all go. So I actually like the prequels. Like so I watched Star Wars in like fifth grade when like the Clone Wars cartoon came on, and uh, fell in love with it. My science teacher and now one of my best friends were both also into it. We would they my science teacher overheard us talking to it, talking about it. Uh, we weren't talking to the TV. That'd be crazy. Uh, and he was like, oh, I love Star Wars. And he gave me his entire Star Wars box set. Uh, at the time, I think episode three wasn't out. I think it was just one and two, uh, you know, dating myself. Um, and so I watched all of them in the order in which they were released on my teachers box set. I liked uh, two, one and two just because it, it seemed to go more into, like, the grander universe which I know a lot of people hate it because it was too much
2: politics and a lot of things didn't make sense, but I was here for it. I was thinking about it last night because I was trying to think about what my summaries for each one would be. And I was like pretty young uh, when the movies were coming out. I think like, I don't think I even saw the second one when it first came out. I think the third one, I was like, uh, like old enough to remember that um, and like the promotion and stuff. I I feel like for me, looking back at it, the the first one never interested me that much. I felt like it was always kind of lackluster, but I think it also could have been like a tiny shrieks brain, like thinking that things without a lot of CGI were like not interesting to look at. Um, But I feel like it is like kind of like boring and like like it's consistently like underwhelming, I think, uh, up until like the end pretty much um so that's how I feel about the first one Phantom Menace and then I think the second one was my favorite for a while just because of like the arena scene like the that climax of that film and everything the crescendo and everything it was like I don't know I think it was like kind of incredible that like the clone RB just like shows up and Yoda brings them and everything like that's a that's a good moment it's an entertaining moment um mm-hmm. so but the rest of that movie is really trash um and then the third one is probably like objectively the best I would say because it's also more consistent, but uh, I don't know. I think the action sequences are like still like I don't know. I think it probably ranks like probably top, but I don't know. I think that and two are tied for me, even though the third one's more consistent, probably better. But those are kind of my like twelve AM thoughts about the movies, the prequels. Uh,
4: wow. The first, see, um, I saw the first one originally. When it first came out, it was like the 90s or something. I don't know. I like it just because I was a little kid when I saw it. And I was really into Anakin. So then I went into the second one. I was like, yo, my homie Anakin. He's going to be here. And then he was like 18. Threw me all the way off. I think it's a really creepy movie. I think it's a pretty pretty cool uh, action story. It gets creepier and creepier every time I watch it. And then the third one... A lot of a lot of a lot more action. I think more more like more consistent, like you said, as a movie, but also just like trying to view it like uh, it as a full thing. Just it, it like a lot of things just don't make sense. You just end up being frustrated with everyone, and you don't like any of the characters at the end. So, but I like the prequels. I don't. That was not clear from uh, <laughs> from everything I just said, but. You know, overall, they're not the worst movies I've ever seen. I guess.
1: Cool. I know I'm gonna like you know activate the girls over this, but I'm just gonna say right now, Phantom Menace is actually my favorite of the prequels. I plus one to like the world building that takes <laughs> plus one to the world building that takes place in. Um, the Phantom Menace, I, I enjoy Jar Jar Banks truly. I think of all the characters in all of these films, he's having the most realistic reactions to the things taking place, especially in Phantom Menace. Um, and I like watching Kid Anakin come through. I enjoy Qui-Gon, honestly, is like one of the most reasonable Jedi. <laughs> of the order that we see, especially in the prequels. Um, And this is before things get weird with Padme and stuff. So Phantom Menace is my favorite. Um, Attack of the Clones, I'm just gonna like come out and say that I watched all of these movies about two or three weeks ago of my own volition within like eight days. So I, I have really no recollection of what took place in Attack of the Clones. Wait, actually no. So I watched Phantom Menace like two or three years ago, but at the time we were playing a drinking game and I suppose I won because um, I have no recollection of that movie. Um, And then Revenge of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith just makes me sad. Like this is the part of the movie where we're not really world building anymore. We're like going, we're building up for this like endless war that we see in the like original trilogy. And so it's just, it's sad on and that's and I just I don't like sad movies. Um they're all kind of sad because you know it's a war. But this one is like my least favorite of the three. Cause I was standing Anakin, honestly, up until then. Well, like not, you know, endlessly standing, because there was the whole, you know, everything he did before he went dark dark. But uh I was like rooting for I think if I hadn't known what was gonna happen throughout the rest of the series, I would have been rooting for this kid that kind of shows up as like this underdog character. In the very first one, so um, I'm here. I'm a Jar Jar Stan, um, and I say that with my chest. TB2H.
0: Where the hell to die on? But you're Go ahead.
4: Yeah, I can't. I can't vibe with that. Standing Sith
2: Lords. It's a questionable behavior.
1: Of these baseless claims. <laughs>
2: Also for all the people that listen to this podcast, like Ian's like talking shit in the chat. Like he's literally like, everyone's giving their opinions about the movies. And he's like, I'm the only reasonable person. Like all of you are just cutting yourselves. I just want to put that on the record because this is a podcast. No one's going to be seeing this chat. So we have to put it on the record. We have to record it. Um, and I don't know. He's, he's just saying a lot of that stuff, disrespecting our opinions. Um so, I don't know. This was not on the agenda, but maybe we need to uh, hash some of this out about how we feel about the prequels. I mean, Lord knows, like, hundreds of thousands of people have done that on the internet already. But, you know, been antagonized. Let's, let's just say that.
3: Yeah, yeah I, w- I was going to say it out loud. I, uh, I did not know all of y'all's opinions when I invited you on this podcast. I regret it. Um, <laughs> not all of you. I just wish I, there was one other person who seemed more reasonable because these movies are ridiculous. And I enjoyed pod racing when I was a kid. Why is it in that movie? It doesn't need to be in that movie. There's no reason why there's a 20 minute aside to do jet airplane flying close to the ground death racing in the middle of Phantom Menace. Um, And that's like the best part of that fucking movie. George Lucas is wildly racist throughout all these movies. He seems to think that like a different alien species is someone speaking in a caricatured accent um, that may or may not actually also fit with a racial stereotype. Uh, here on earth just more generally. Um, The Republic is an illegitimate institution that needs to be overthrown. It is no better than the Empire. It is a soft human supremacist organization that offered no economic improvements for its citizens. It enslaved droids and clones. Uh, I will use this podcast to attack it at every level. At no point is there a worker's government proposed in any of these movies. It is all a blood feud between wizards. Um, I love Star Wars. But especially the prequels, it's just like somebody should have t- told George Lucas no many, many times. Also, has he met a human woman or like just not himself? Has he had a conversation with a person? Like he's good at spaceships, but listening to people talk, you they have whole conversations and you learn nothing about them. It's like Anakin is like, I am sad. And Padme is like, why? And he's like, because I'm because i angry. And she's like, oh, but I love you. And then he's like, I love you, too. And they hug. And then the scene fucking ends. And I already knew all that stuff. And that's Yeah. I'm just saying these movies are objectively horrible movies in a fun universe that I'm willing to engage with, but they are not good. And that it, I, I will conclude my initial opening statement.
1: Well, nobody said they were good.
2: What <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking is like I thought he disagreed with the rankings, but he's like just attacking the whole thing that we're gonna talk about.
0: I just feel like you feel more passionately. <laughs> Name me one coming of age story where there's actually real
2: character development. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I agree. Like those points are all right. Like objectively, like, I don't know. I mean, we can't... Moana.
4: <laughs> <laughs> what you got? All right, all
2: right. You
0: got you got. Me. There's there's one. Lilo and Stitch. I said one. Like <laughs> nobody. There's no extra credit here. Just <laughs> relax.
2: What are your rankings
3: though like that's the thing is like i feel like it's more important to establish okay rankings rankings Rankings, attack of the clones is three bad movies that are incomprehensible uh phantom menace is a uh a bunch of cool ideas that george lucas just sort of wanders around in without making much of a plot and uh revenge of the sith or the third one or whatever it is 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 the best of a bad bunch but i just watched it and yeah anakin it would just be there's so many like if i cared about anakin or obi-wan and his relationship or the, any of the jedi that are killed like it would be such a good movie but instead it's just sort of like here's some people that you don't care about oh they're dead and or killing people so yeah i mean that's the, my, my lowest is two second is one and the best is three but it's not it's a they're all they're all sitting pretty low there on uh, under underwater deep down somewhere And that's
2: harsh for two I feel like attack of the clones is consistently underrated because it's like I'm not going to be going like you know what you're getting yourself involved in now it's 2021 like it's like we can't look at it and be like oh you know George Lucas really let us down because he didn't deliver a critically acclaimed masterpiece like I feel like you got to look at it from an entertainment standpoint I feel like two it's pretty solid there that's why it's tied for a top for me. I just can't rewatch
4: that movie and just not feel cringe like all the way through. You just through. skip
2: the parts. You just skip the bad parts. You, you skip the honeymoon. The the,
4: <laughs> and the arena scene where they just arena gathered season. they they gathered all of the Jedi that they had and just lost half of all of the Jedi that they had in the universe. Like, I, I, like that was the worst plan ever. I don't you don't have many people, so you just lose half of your fleet and then you're done. And okay. then you're not ready for the war. Let's do a war now. What?
2: <laughs> okay, they I know. They
4: consistently make awful decisions, it's unacceptable.
2: I right, I know we're we're this is a side note but I, I gotta defend it because because okay for one thing I don't think there's a single on screen je- death for a Jedi in that entire movie like the battle sequence at that point I don't think a single Jedi died in that battle except for like the one dude that came and tried to kill Count Dooku whatever and then he got like easily killed but then Mace Windu came in there and was fine but like there's that and also they had a buy time because the clones are coming so they had an army they just had to like buy some time but yeah i mean probably was not it's probably a little too risky but yeah that's all i have to say about that
3: arguably bombing the arena from space would have done more good for the republic because then anakin and obi-wan and padme would have been gone but so would have all the leadership of the separatists and like one of their strongholds just saying why save these three people if you're trying to save a whole galaxy he's the chosen one i mean these are prequels <laughs> not the
0: jedi way but also as far as like terrorist attacks go and like whipping up support for the the enemy i think that one would have been it if you would have killed all the planetary leaders in one field in like one unprovoked attack i think that would have been the one i feel like
3: it was provoked it captured people
0: so you kill your people and them I don't I don't know. You just lie you just lied to
3: the galaxy about why your people died. I mean that's that's classic that's Empire 101. You just explain, "Oh yeah, no, we it, we couldn't save them. They died by the time we got there. Who knows why they seem to have been exploded by weapons that look like ours. We can't say, but thank goodness we killed those Separatist leaders after their horrors. Like that's you know, that's Empire 101. They were going to do that.
0: Oh, so also, well it wasn't the Empire oh, at that point. Also, though, to be fair, had had they done that we also would have never got a Death Star.
2: Or any of the other movies, literally. <laughs> just
3: like, the rest of the series is screwed. They made this after the first three. They, they couldn't kill Anakin, so that's off the table. We have to make, we have to make a decision whether we're going to argue in-universe or we're going to argue about the financial implications for the movie industry of some of these plot decisions. No, we're going in-universe. I don't, I don't.
2: <laughs> I, thought, I thought all of our discussion was within the Star Wars universe. No, it is. You just brought up they couldn't make the other movies. Uh,
3: well, I think it would be it be prudent to point it out. To to pivot here because uh, you know, in a segue that I'm just gonna nail. Uh, somebody said it's not the Jedi way, so I think we could start off talking a little bit about the Jedi and the Sith and who is good and evil and what are the implications of all this. Like, are the Jedi good? Are the Sith evil? What are y'all's opinions on that?
0: I mean, I don't know if like the Sith are inherently evil, but they do do a lot of evil shit. Uh, <laughs> and the Jedi are just kind of like neutral, though they end up being terrible people by staying neutral. But like nobody, there are no good guys.
1: Yeah, I think the movie sort of suffers from liberal like storytelling. Because the Jedi, like kind of what Greg, Greg said, the Jedi are, are essentially really being encouraged to be neutral as per the Jedi way. And that neutrality prevents them from acting passionately in any one direction. And then it just like fucks everything up that would be reasonable in terms of like a, like a some sort of space cowboy, <laughs> some sort of like good, space cowboy intervening in crises um i as i was watching these movies i really wanted to like the jedi because their lightsabers are cool and i like the idea of like force sensitive people all over the world or all over the galaxy being brought together to like learn together and fight for some sort of purpose but they just they can't raise children for shit and it's because they're not like, actually, um, we're not actually, like, engaging with, like, emotions and events. They're just, like, pulling, like, a sense of morality from being above everything, which is not helpful at all.
3: Yeah, I would argue that having your main peacekeeping force be people who are divorced from humanity is probably a bad idea. Also, having your main peacekeeping force be, like, 200 monastic child thieves uh living in seclusion on your capital doesn't sound like the best idea it's not that's not community involved policing is what i'm saying that's i think as opposite as you can get they just show up on your planet fight some people and then like take the like kind of uh the weird kid from your village and disappear um that's uh I, yeah, I, I, def, I, I definitely don't think the Sith are good. I think this movie does set up, or these movies do set up a weird thing where like passion is inherently bad. Like not caring about what's happening somehow makes you morally superior in some way or caring in a way that doesn't seem to care. It's not, yet yeah, they don't really draw the lines there because the Jedi do seem to care about things, but where's the line between caring about things and passion? It's never fully explored.
0: Yeah. They are not ch- kidnappers. They ask the parents nicely and give them an option of giving their children a better life as the well-respected religious leader.
3: The only peacekeeping force in the galaxy with laser swords and the ability to use the force shows up at your door and says, we want your child. I don't know if that's non-coercive.
0: They can say no. Mm. And
4: like some of them wouldn't. Some of, no, like, so like, they were like Jedi that were specifically like, uh, like they had a group of Jedi that were just like that's what all that they did is they just went around and collected four sensitive babies. And like a lot of times they were asked but uh a lot of them were like just like the most hated Jedi in a, in the galaxy just because they uh a lot of times they would just steal people's children. So yeah, they was out here kidnapping babies. But that wasn't all of them. Anakin never told
0: right not all Jedi that wasn't in the Jedi handbook that's just some of them were like you know terrible people
3: just like the Catholic Church
0: I'm not touching that one
1: I'm not digging into that (laughs) talking about movies here um but I guess something that I noticed as I was kind of watching the films really like the the benefit of watching them in really short succession was like the patterns are more apparent um were more more apparent for me and this thing with the jedi and detachment i don't know a ton about like eastern eastern like spiritual practices but it felt like very much like a like a glaring example of like the odd um, american audiences of, of this movie is not really knowing or like Broadly speaking, um, stereotypical like audiences of this movie not really knowing what detachment is, and so, and like George Lucas also misconstruing or like creating some sort of Western idea of what it, what detachment is, and so after that you get this like emotionless belief system that's like penalizing folks for, like what you said, passion. And it's just, it's very not in alignment with what I've learned in my own practices of those like ideas. And it was just one of the, it was just like, it was just like a, a really interesting thing to think about that they they genuinely had a like, could have had a thoughtful and very like stirring um, like religious code to be operating from, but because of this, just lack of knowledge from the creative team you get like this really flat um th- this flat ideology that doesn't really age well um as people get more and more tapped in and versed in like cultures beyond uh this western one that went on for way too long but continue
2: no, i think that's a really good point though i mean i i like I don't know. There has to be evidence that that's exactly what, I mean, I think it's just obvious from watching the films that that's what George Lucas based the whole Jedi ideology on. So, yeah, I mean, I think he was thinking that he was like really deep with that and like really oh. <laughs> big brain. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of what happens when, <laughs> when you try and misapply those ideas uh, into like a multimillion dollar franchise.
3: Yeah, and I think that there's there's the broader universe of books and stuff that have been written, but I think the movies don't do a lot to differentiate the practical outcomes of Sith rule versus Jedi rule, <laughs> or, or Sith-backed rule versus Jedi-backed rule, um, because as we'll get into, it doesn't appear that life on the ground for many people is particularly good under the Republic um, or under the Empire. And so I think that there's sort of like a strange, there's a strange like, well, the Jedi feel like they should help people versus the Sith feel like they should help themselves, but both sort of end up administering a very similar state, which I feel like is an odd echo of U.S. politics in a strange way. Like we're told one of them is very good, one of them is very bad, and then it somehow yeah, I feel like even, even, there's still industrial like, sort of I mean, like part of this just because the story is focused so much on, on, on like the, the
2: you know, the resistance, the rebels, the Jedi, etc. But I mean, do we really even know what like most people in the Republic, like think about it turning to the empire or like how much, yeah, like what you said, basically, like how much their lives like change between that transition, like for them, it's got to be pretty similar. I mean, the empire seems like it could definitely be bad in some aspects, um, like worse, like, like tangibly worse, but I don't know. I feel like it's it's like such a political battle and way less like a social one of like oh like this is actually about improving people's lives. Like no, it's about who has power (laughs) and like how those people kind of rule uh, and decide make decisions. I don't know. I will say. Well, gotta say the caveat too. Of course, the Republic never had a Death Star. and blew up planet. So I guess that's kind of a point to the
3: Republic. Think we'll get into more of that later, but should we in our outline dictated travels uh turn to the question of does Anakin suck and just sort of overall Anakin and Padme's relationship? I think most of us came down on the not so happy with this side in our introductions, but uh, does anybody have any feelings about the way this relationship plays out? Um, and just yeah, what happened to Padme as a character? It's, it doesn't go well for her, so does. So
4: like, when you ask, you asking does Anakin suck? Are you talking about like Anakin the character or Hayden Christensen? The character. Because the ans the answer is yes, either way. <laughs> it's just it's, Man, I, it started off so so innocent, just racing pod race, you know, winning, mm-hmm. escaping enslavement. Mm. But you had to leave your mom behind, and that is where it started. Mm-hmm. I, I just they they use like a Jedi mind tricks for everything, except for to I. am sorry, it's going on a tangent. I, what is the actual age difference between Anakin
0: and Padme? It's it's like unclear.
4: Anakin's like
0: eight, don't quote me on this, when they meet and Padme is like 14 or something.
1: Ooh, I like that even less than I thought. (laughs) Yeah, I, like I said, like I watched the movies in numerical order and I like, because I'm on the internet, a lot of the major plot points because the movie's been out for like decades had been spoiled for me. And so I wasn't, I was more watching in that order the sake of understanding the franchise than the sake of like wanting to preserve theatrical twists um so like anakin in the first movie is just a kid that you can root for and like who is being demonstrated as being really smart and resourceful in this in conditions that are just violent and shitty and so you get to see like he's and he's doing like it's interesting because like he's a kid, so he's doing like semi, semi-age appropriate stuff. Kids race things, kids build things. Um, there's really no reason to inherently dislike him. And then honestly, as he as he grows up with the help of the fucking Jedi, he just like it just takes a downturn as like this really sent like really, really force sensitive kid and really like um creative and like thoughtful kid is like pushed into these situations by adults where like he's being encouraged to like not to not like pursue his passions he's being encouraged to like like crush his own emotions and then also being like forced into this mold of like what a jedi should be by elders that raised him but also really don't seem to like him um and so honestly until he like until he goes on that rampage over his mom like I was rooting for him I kind of said that earlier because he's a, he was a good character who was like who makes for a good protagonist outside of like like the shitty conditions that come later and in terms of the question of like what happened with Padme I also loved her until she was 14 dating an eight-year-old <laughs> um I thought it was pretty cool that she was like you know, playing this sort of double role. I was a little confused, which made like watching the watching experience like more interesting for me initially. I liked that she was creative and like kind to this kid who was like enslaved. I don't think that means she needed to have his baby though. That's where they lost me.
0: To be fair, she wasn't for he wasn't nine when they had the kids.
1: I mean, that's true. But like, even then, like we, because for me, because we saw him as a kid and we saw her as like an adult, the fact like their relationship they like they were aged up but it was still an uncomfortable enough difference like a 19 year old well he was like he was what like they're like 25 or something in the movies but like the age difference still still, still didn't sit right with me
0: yeah but so like when they first met it was nine and 14 then later on when they got I think married their secret married. like when they actually start getting romantic they're 19 and 24 and then like in the final movie they're uh,
1: 27 and 22. So like they were slowly aging him up, which I think was necessary for the movie. So thank you like thank you for pointing that out. And 19 and 24 and married is still just not chill for me.
4: I was, I was gonna say yeah, it's not like the relationship was, was good. Like it was, the age thing was kind of even like secondary to like just the interactions.
3: yeah whatever the number is like yeah that whole second movie where it's like her being like hey yeah you're my friend and he's like i want to stare at you some more and she's like that's that's weird could we not and he's like maybe and that that, that's like kind of their relationship and then she just sort of eventually is like you know what i'm into it and then in the last movie she like loses all agency and just becomes yeah just pregnant for most of the movie and lives in an apartment by herself except for the one time she goes to the senate like uh, the agency of padme collapses like a a fucking cupboard in this uh in the in these films where she goes from like yeah queen to senator to sad that her boyfriend is an evil wizard to dying in childbirth and giving up on life because her boyfriend is an evil wizard like i feel like she was a much more dynamic character than her ending would they just didn't really honor the character that they had started to build they just sort of gave up and had her become an outpost of anakin's personality and fall
1: yeah it's like the it's like the i don't know really like the details of like who wrote what but it's like they were significantly less interested in padme once anakin was like old enough to have more agency
2: i was just gonna say too on like a side note why i mean i always i always go back to this on so many decisions with like the prequels. But like, why did Padme even have to be in the first movie? Why did there have to be like this age difference? Like, I don't think it's that hard to rewrite her script because um, they didn't do anything with the fact that she's like the queen of Nobu uh, or like a senator and like all these different things where it's like, it's so much in the background. Then like, why, why would they, she even have to be introduced in the first movie and have this weird dynamic with Anakin? He could have met her in the second movie. It could have been, like, even the third movie. Like, I don't know. I I just, I felt like that was, that
0: was uh, not not I think that was part of her rise to, like, how, like, how she got to the Senate was because she, uh, because she, because she, like, helped defeat the blockade on her planet. She was then able to, like, rise to become a senator, right? But also, I, I can't remember, but I swear there's, like, Palpatine also I think he rigged the election so that she would become queen like
2: this was all a part of his plan like long term he was playing like the fourth dimensional chess or whatever because because that's the other thing too is like he's immortal so I want to know how long he had been camping out at on Nobu like planning this becoming the senator for Nobu like he he was like decades in advance in this plan but that's a whole other like whole other thing but I mean i i think yeah i get what you're saying that she gets like her ascension to the senate because of her like noble acts like in Nobu and like she you know she gets made queen and everything but i mean you could easily i think you could totally rewrite it where she like i don't know she could just be a random person that like is a senator in the second movie like it doesn't i i just feel like it was so unnecessary um and i feel like it kind of i feel like that can't have been planned out like those three movies the way that they ended up being executed There must have been changes along the way, because that just doesn't make sense to me to introduce it in the first one.
3: Yeah, I would say it adds, like, on a lot of ends, like, it it also makes you explain how their queen system is an electoral office. How is a queen less, like, of an entire planet, less powerful than a senator? I think it would have been easy to, like, you know, at the time, AOC wasn't a person, but have her essentially be, like, yeah, like, a young elected, like, firebrand leader of the... Um, from Naboo could have been a really cool thing to come in, in episode two she also like if you want to go for the star-crossed lovers thing could have been like maybe more of a separatist where like you could have had them each being like 19 and her being like arguing for like the failures of the against the failures of the republic and him trying to defend the republic and each of them like kind of seeing each other's side but being conflicted coming together and then like uh, <laughs> that's a fun But um, then like, yeah, basically having that be their relationship. There's just like so many weird problems that are introduced by having her be a 14 year old queen when he's an eight year old slave and then having that be their start of their or a nine year old slave and have that be the start of their relationship. Like it's just a lot of unforced errors in that whole. It seems like there's like three rewrites that could have solved a lot of that. Yeah, I mean,
2: yeah. (laughs) I don't have anything to add. It's just the the so much stuff you could change with the prequels, and I think it would just objectively improve them. Um but yeah.
4: We've seen it with the whole series
2: that was written by other people.
3: So George Lucas, you are the problem. Yeah, they definitely did solve it with the new movies. It's uh they're so they're so good.
0: Wait, okay, so I'm I'm looking at the Wikipedia apparently on Naboo public service is required reco- is mandatory from ages 12 to 20. So every all of the politicians start their political careers at 12.
3: That sounds healthy.
4: See now that makes more sense why uh what was his name <laughs> old oh, palpy why he hated his daddy.
3: Also like is political service though the like the IDF of Naboo? Like, do they go into the weird army to repress the Gungans for a couple of years? Like, is that the weird segregated society that they have there? Like, what does political service there mean? Are they like they're not senate? They're not like local representatives at twelve, are they? Otherwise, that's an insane proposition. Also, Jeez, I don't know. Hey, Academy
0: was the uh, the highest elected official at fourteen. So who
3: knows? How? Is there, like, something in the water where the, the adults just die by 25 and, like, their brains are decaying? Like, what is the what is the mabu planetary lifeline? Like, what, why is, okay, there's a, that, this is opening up a lot more questions than answers
2: here, Greg. I always got the picture of Nobu of, like, okay, the Gungans are, like, super oppressed, like, by the humanoids or humans or whatever that rule Nobu. But, like, it seems like everything else is, like, so egalitarian there that it's, like, they're kind of living in this, like, bubble of, like, So maybe that's why they have such young people in office. So they're like, fuck it. Like, there's not major conflict going on. Like, we can train these people, whatever. To them, it's probably just like a club. It's like an after-school activity. Like, oh, I'm 12 years old. I'm I'm joining the public service. And I'm I'm about to be like a local representative or something.
3: Like, I don't know. Yeah, the, the Naboo are like, we control the main water sources. We have this border wall the uh, Gungan authority can really administer their own zone. And yes, we make sure we control the goods that come in and out, but that's for our defense. And we make sure that our egalitarian peaceful society can be a model for them in uh, everything that we do. And that's why these 12 year olds are gonna administer the apartheid state we've set up.
0: So apparently, I haven't dug into this in a while. So apparently Palpatine was also a failed politician. He did his five years as a in the apprentice legislator program and could not get elected to uh, office most of the time, like, or get appointments. So he kept like very low level offices until he started like manipulating people and killing people off.
3: So did he try it legit for a few years? Like, was he like a Sith Lord? He's like, no, we're gonna do it the right way, Palpy. We're gonna make this happen. I'm gonna play the game. I'm gonna put in my hours. And then I'll kill everyone. Like, was he trying to like do it? Like, was he just really bad at being a Sith Lord for the first couple of millennia? Like, what is? Why was he? Why did he suck for like a few cycles?
4: Uh, because like he he was born to like uh, a what, what do you call it? like a uh, upper class family? Like And but they like they had status. Was he though? He's a Sith a mortal, well, right?
0: Yeah. No, yeah, his dad was a politician and like a, a merchant and like they had money and he always like he always had plans to be better. But his dad was like, "Nah, this is good enough. Like, what else do you want? We live on a mansion on a lake uh, and we run like this part of the, the world. Like, what more do you want? And so he like had a lot of resentment that eventually led to him killing his dad. And was, he like met Darth his uh his Sith his Sith Lord is that what you
4: call him? his master? Yeah, there we go, got the word. And then yeah, like like Greg was saying, it it led to Plagueis like kind of like coercing him kind of deal, and then he ended up killing all his family, and then that was his path to Sith is.
3: I just love the idea of like Palpatine's a spoiled rich kid chilling on Naboo and he's like, God, I fucking hate having everything I ever needed and like running a quarter of the planet. It sucks. And then Palpatine's creepy Sith Lord guy just shows up and goes, hello, do you want to learn all the evil arts? And his parents are just like, well, that's kind of weird, but at least he's got a hobby and getting out of the house. And then a few like years later, Palpatine shows back up and kills them all. Like what? It just seems like a weird dynamic of him being a fail son who then gets super into the occult and comes back and kills them and then becomes a senator. So it's a strange arc. And also, is he supposed to be an immortal being who has always been the incarnation of Sith energy, or does that come later? Wait, who, Palpatine? or is, is Yeah, Robert? I don't know. The new movies get confusing. Robert, like, like, is he all the Sith that have ever been, and he is an immortal, or is he just the oh, most no. recent body inhabited by that force?
0: What? Where are you getting this, this knowledge from?
3: Because well, that's... A, okay, we're getting into the new movies, but in the new movies, Palpatine isn't dead, from being blown up on the Death Star because he never really was that Palpatine, because that was a clone, and he lives out on Ex- Exegol, and they imply that he is somehow the all the Sith that have ever been. It's a lot. Uh, I don't We can maybe get into that when we get to those movies, but it's a confusing thing. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut Soraya off.
1: Oh no, you're good. I think I was gonna keep lamenting Panikin, but
4: <laughs> I
0: think
3: we're good. Why not anime?
0: Uh, I'm sorry, Oops. Anime, anime, and Anakin. But yes, Naboo's political system is is, is problematic. Uh, how do I feel about Anakin? What was what was the prompt? Does he suck? I mean, it's a whole, it's a weird thing, right? He he was he has no father, like literally, just has no father. All All his father figures and like own him and his mother. Uh, You know, talking about like the family structure. Uh, Some some random space guys, space ninjas come and are like, hey, we'll buy you, but we're not buying, we're not getting your mom out of slavery, even though we have the money. I feel like he had a rough childhood. (laughs) Nobody ever sat him down and was like, hey, you need to deal with these emotions instead. They're just like, Emotions aren't a thing. They just give them up. It's like it's, it's rough out here. Uh is he? I don't think he's a good guy. I think there are reasons. I don't think the reasons then justify his actions. But I understand. Got literally the weight of the entire universe on him. He's like no father, but apparently you're the chosen one. Nobody knows what that actually means. You're gonna bring balance to the force, though.
3: Which also, they never really get into what that means. Apparently it means killing the Sith, but that doesn't make any sense Um, in terms of balance. We were talking about Palpatine a little bit there. Should we just briefly touch on the most convoluted plan in bad guy movie history? Which is, uh, so Palpatine controls at the outset a droid army via the Trade Federation that appears to be one of the main armies in the Republic, if not the largest.
0: Oh wait, you gotta, it's even more convoluted than that. There's the outer line planets and then the inner planets who like, you know, because the Republic, all the power is concentrated around the inner planets. The outer planets are like, yo, this Republic thing kind of (laughs) sucks. So they like talk about leaving, but never really leave until Count Dooku, who's some royalty from some random planet, but also a Jedi comes in and is like, hey, this sucks. You guys should like, come together and they bring corporate interests into it to be like, yeah, no, this sucks for you guys. We should all leave the Republic. Little do we know Count Dooku is working under Palpatine and who is like behind the scenes controlling the droid army.
3: So Palpatine essentially has a droid army. The Republic at this point doesn't have an army. Palpatine secretly goes and tells another group of people to make a clone army. Then he uses the first droid army to convince the Republic that they need the secret clone army that he built. He then tells them that he's built the clone army. They're cool with it. Um, they have. Uh, he then has those armies fight for a bit in order to justify his power. And then he establishes an empire after he decides which army he wants to have lose. But he had an army and the Republic did not have an army, which meant that he won. Like at the beginning, he could have just been like, "Game over. I have the only army. One against zero is me winning." So I don't understand why. It seems like he just—it was like a bunch of extra pointless steps to get to the same ending, which was him having the only army, which is what he started with. Counter. He wanted
4: to get rid of the Jedi because because he like he really hated the Jedi. Is is what I'm under.
3: It's fucking easy to get like, rid of the Jedi. He- we watched them die all the time. Like, six, like, they're, at one point, two guys on speeder bikes kill a Jedi. Like, it's, it's apparently pretty fucking easy.
0: I mean, I think I wanted- the plan works if you think about it from like the point of like, he didn't just want to like take over. He wanted to like rule, right? So, like, had he just. Well, that was the other thing. Like, individual planets had armies. Like, there were armies that the jedi would go back up with the clone with the clone army right but so like he couldn't have taken every planet with the droid like he would have had to have like a series of battles that would not have evolved clones at all but also like in the grander scheme he got the republic to give it he got like a currently you know halfway semi-functioning government to give him complete control of it uh and then was a like instead of having to like Establish a government from what are already planets that are too far out to be controllable. He was able to like take over the center, and then reestablish that. So it was like an easier, an easier lift, I guess, of like being able to take control of the galaxy. It's like take like taking control of like the Pacific Islands, like all the territories that, or actually, yeah, it's like taking over all the territories that uh ancient britain not ancient because it wasn't that long ago but like the british uh monarchy control versus taking over britain and then just having control of those places in
3: the first place okay i can kind of see that i just i feel like it was a lot of extra steps he could have also just got the clone people to make him another army if he wanted two armies and then face rolled the whole galaxy like at the end, he still establishes an empire that a bunch of people see as illegitimate and then start a rebellion to fight back against. Like he doesn't, his marginal, I think I'm using this correctly, the, like the marginal utility of this convoluted plan is pretty small for the amount of steps and like lucky points he needed to accomplish.
4: From from my understanding, it wasn't, it was, there was a Jedi, Sifo Diaz, who told the Jedi Council, like, hey man. Some stuff is about to go down. We need an army. So he went to um, the Kaminoans or whatever, but he went to them and like wanted to, wanted them to build a, a, a clone, like a clone army. So, but then Palpatine ended up killing him, and just continued it like as though you know, but just like he orchestrated them
0: actually killing, yeah, like building that army. But the, he didn't have the money. Like, I, I think Palpatine did it from the from jump. Like, yes, the other Jedi like had the idea, but also he didn't have the money to pay for a literal army of clones that so like they, they kind of he just I think Palpatine and I think Count Dooku actually was the one who like upped the money.
2: Yeah that's a good point about the investigative work and also didn't in the second movie I think Yoda like didn't he like meditate on it or like he thought like like I think they had suspicions and then they were like well like Yoda was like fuck it like we have to do this anyways I mean they had to at like literally in that moment because Anakin and Obi-Wan and Padme had gotten themselves captured but I mean I don't know. They had time to think about it. And then afterwards, I felt like there was no follow-up. They were just like, well, we're just going to use this army and not look any further into it, even though we knew something was up.
1: I have one more thing related to the clone army and like whether they got all good or bad. Um, really quickly, like they found out that there was this secret army that had been being grown for 10 years that was like a humanoid that had been cloned millions of times and then born and bred and trained specifically for war. And they didn't seem to take issue with that like at all. (laughs) Um, And so I think it kind of going back to like what Gregory or what Greg said is just like, they're a a fairly neutral force, but the movie writes them as the good guys. And so under any scrutiny, it just falls apart.
0: I mean, when you're about to go to war, and an army gets dropped in your lap, I think I'm gonna wait to ask my questions. The the Jedi operate less as peacekeepers and more like detectives. And this seemed like the perfect time for them to do some detective work. And they just kind of like, let it go in favor of like fighting a war. But also like going back into Palpatine's grand scheme, it was like, oh, the Jedi control this army. It's not the Republic army, it's the Jedi army.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a lot of it's a lot of meditating without much uh, without much uh, end product. So I don't know. Maybe the whole midichlorians thing. Oh, actually, no. Now that I think about it, um, the whole I, it wasn't the whole point that they couldn't think clearly because their cl- their judgment was clouded because of uh, 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 Sidious. I think that's like the explanation they gave in the movies is like, oh, everyone's judgment is clouded because they
3: can't see Sidious and he's right in front of them and they're
2: they're too close to him or something.
3: I don't know. That just sounds like George responding to somebody being like, this doesn't make any sense. Can't they sense things? And George goes like, up, their judgment it's it's clouded by Sidious. He's he's clouding it up, you know, just like like milk in the water. Nobody can see a thing.
0: Yeah, there's also this weird undertone of like, like you say, like Yoda meditates on things and people meditate on things and they end up going to make what like is the wrong decision mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of things. But like it's perfect for like moving the movie forward and like this whole idea of like balancing the force. But like arguably if the Jedi were just like, here's this army, you guys can have it and let themselves like not be a part of this, you would have never got the the calling of the jedi which then led to like you know the balance of the force
2: with you know one jedi one Sith yeah and also too it's like I mean Sidious is so fucking powerful like Palpatine at this point like he's not even like I mean he is like a Sith Lord but he's not like transitioned or you know his Mm apparent appearance looks the you know looks normal or whatever but like how powerful is he to cloud everyone's judgment like every single person like all the Jedi Yoda included, like, did, like, at that point, then no one stood a chance. Like, if he was literally, like, doing all that, uh, I was able to control everyone, then this was, like, this is like, such an easy game for him.
3: <laughs> Which makes us question why he failed, like, five times to get elected when he was trying at first. But I, I like the parallels between that and,
0: like, Joe, <laughs> like, we could cut this out if you want to, eat, but Joe Biden, not being able to get president multiple times and now it's like oh this man is so powerful he was able to rig an election like why didn't he do it the first five times y'all like what's what's going on we did it
3: we talked about joe biden it happened (laughs) goes right
1: i'm a little lost it's one of the reasons why i've been quiet because this is like a little deeper into the lore than i went into but i'm enjoying or when i into this is deeper into the lore than i like kind of grasp when i was first watching but i'm appreciating the like the intentionality of like wh- what y'all are bringing to the conversation um i'm just i'm still stuck on the jedi and the fact that they would be like the balance of the force situation didn't really make too much sense to me like i just i think intentionally as an audience member i just assumed that like anakin bringing balance to the force meant like a, a powerful jedi bringing balance to the fact that currently there was just this unseen powerful sith leader um but then i started thinking about how like the jedi are pretty like they're pretty overpowered for this universe like they got the lightsaber which can like stop blaster bullets or whatever also cut through metal and like just about anything Can like kill and cauterize wounds, um, and is held by these people who have these like super mystical powers. And so, in order to like, there has to be like less Jedi than everybody else, I guess, um, which leads us to this problem of like Jedi just always dying, um, mainly because they're just too powerful otherwise. But then you brought in the stuff about like the Force being clouded by Insidious, and I didn't put that together before, um, so now they're just. Their key superpowers about as makes them about as powerful as just about anybody else. So I'm mentally going in circles, <laughs> This is why I've been sitting here.
4: <laughs> See, that's that's the thing. I, George Lucas just like he had all these ideas, but like I don't, it's it's like difficult for me to like have the line between the things that he actually like that are actually in the movies and the things that are in that are like more expounded upon and like explained with detail in the, um, in like the other series and uh, like books and stuff like that. He's, he's, not, he's not, he didn't do, he did a good job of like, I guess, thinking about things, but didn't actually do well at implementing these
2: ideas. You know, we should talk about the prophecy a little bit, too, because I think that whole, I, I mean, for one thing, let's just acknowledge that they completely mishandled, like, what it meant to bring balance, because, like, like in, I know we're not talking about the sequels, but in the sequels, like, the, the middle movie, and I forget what which one that was, um, but, like, that was, like, genuinely a good direction to take it, because the, the whole point of the series should be to stop the whole Jedi versus Sith thing. Like that would be the balance is like, okay, no more binary. Like let's have a way that combines, like you can have passion and also you can, you know, be like nice, like not like be evil. Um, but like I don't know, people don't talk about the prophecy enough. And like that, like I don't know, I don't know where I was going with that actually. But yeah, <laughs> the prophecy is is wild. It's it I
1: you know sense. what that that checks out. Um I hadn't put that together before. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, continue reflecting, I guess, on that. We can continue.
0: I mean, since we're like jumping forward and back and like talking about the prophecy, like originally the Sith were another like branch of the Jedi and they, they branched off and like, you know, being like based in evil and passion, like, you know, they, they weren't really able to run an effective government and eventually fail and then that's where we get like the current system where it's called the rule of two where like only two Sith uh can exist at a time like two official Sith can only exist where there's the master who holds the power and then the apprentice who covers covets the power uh but yeah and that I feel like that's kind of where then the about the whole like what does it mean to balance the force right because the jedi are just like they i feel like again the jedi kind of paint themselves or george lucas paints them as like a neutral force and so they're like oh we're not like imbalancing the force we kind of just don't do anything we kind of like just chill off to the side we're not running anything so they're like and they're always i feel like from the first movie actually yeah from uh phantom menace when Darth Maul comes out as the apprentice, then they're like, "Oh, there's definitely a Sith somewhere. We don't know where he's at, but if his uh, if his apprentice could kill Qui Gon Jinn, like he must be like a powerful Sith Lord." Uh, but yeah, and then they kind of just ignore it, not ignore it, like they're looking for the Sith Lord, and then Dooku comes out, and they're like, "Oh, this must be the guy." But yeah, they never really add up the fact that like, "Oh, there's like." Hundreds of Jedi and like only like maybe three Sith that we've known about. Like maybe we should be on
3: the lookout. Or if it does make sense, I would be really worried if I was the Jedi ruling the galaxy for like thousands of years and being like, yeah, we're going to get some balance now. Like I feel like that would tell me, oh, a great darkness might be coming. It <laughs> does seem they seem oddly enthused about the idea of balance when they have kind of unilaterally ruled since they like repressed the Sith thousands of years ago well
0: so somebody asked a question in that chat like where was dooku in the first movie uh again because of the rule of the sith like there can only be two so i think somewhere between phantom menace and uh the clone wars dooku isn't in the
2: picture until after until after Darth Darth maul is killed. yeah i i knew that he wasn't like his apprentice yet but it's kind of funny because they're like in the second movie, they give exposition and they're like, Oh, yeah, Dooku used to be a Jedi and then he left. Like, it's implied, I don't know if they say it explicitly, but like, it's implied that he left like years ago, like even before the events of the first movie, because we don't see him in that one. So it's like this whole time he's been trained as a Jedi, but he's not a Jedi. So, and he's also somehow not a Sith, but he's clearly evil. So I don't, it's just a weird thing like that. I'm like, and also the whole going back, I, I just remember what I was thinking about with the prophecy because you mentioned the rule of two. And my understanding of that whole like rule of two thing is that like, there can only be two cysts because that they like hoard the power. Like the power is like finite, uh, like the force power that they have. And so when you just have two people, it's like, it, they're way too, like, they're super powerful people on the individual level. And the Jedi space it out over way more people. So if if we're going off that theory, maybe I misunderstand it. But like, if that's a theory, and I think it's pretty compelling, then there's already balance to the Force. Like, they're already equal. So (laughs) they just do it in different ways.
3: The analytical and, like, deductive capacity of the Jedi Order does not appear to be the strongest in the galaxy. Yes, yes. There's only nine thirty. Yeah, they should not have been leading the armies of the Republic, I think is my conclusion at this point.
0: So that's not my, I mean, from my understanding, like the four, they, that's where like the one thing that like I hate about the the older movie, like one through three is like they introduced this thing of like chlorians, which makes it weird. Just, but yeah. <laughs> there's this idea of like the forces in everything. Cause even like in one of the movies, in one of the cartoon movies or cartoon shows, uh, Yoda is like talking to the clones uh, and he's like, oh, all are, like you all may like look the same and have the same genetics or whatever, like, but in the force, you're all in it, like you're unique. Like, I can tell the difference between a clone without even looking at you because in the like the force exists in everything, and it's not necessarily like a finite amount of power in the in the universe. More of like which part of the force people tap into, whether it be like the dark side or the light side.
3: Yeah, I think a bunch of people have gone back and worked really hard to make this all make sense, but there's there's definitely some weird plot holes that George didn't feel like considering. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe we can cut this out, but there's just there is a weird vibe when you just like listen to the Jedi talk or like listen to these movies talk about the Jedi and the Sith. The Jedi are like, yeah, we are all in, into like self denial and a lack of passion, and we have to care for others. We can't care for ourselves or for those that we love. Um, And the Sith, they were about self-love and passion. And it just sounds kind of like the whole thing started out with like some of the Jedi wanted to masturbate and some of the Jedi didn't. And the ones who didn't got really shitty about it. And the ones who did got super into masturbating. And then they realized they could actually have sex with each other. And so they formed like a little dyad over there doing their thing. And the Jedi were like, no, y'all are evil. Fuck everybody. No one gets to have sex. It's just, there's a lot of weird sexual energy that comes off of the Jedi Sith dynamic and the way they talk about, like, life. Yeah, even, even the way that, like, Palpatine talks to Anakin to, like, seduce him into the Force doesn't seem like the Force is the only thing he's seducing him into.
2: Well, um, I speak for everyone when saying that. I think that, I think, uh, by saying that, that came out of, of left field, but I actually 100% agree, I think, with everything you said. I think there's a lot of sexual energy there um i think the whole rule of two with the sith there's something going on with that and and ian even mentioned that in the chat a little bit uh and i i will say though it doesn't have to just be masturbation could also just be sex maybe people just want to have sex um but yeah either way orgasms are not happening at the jedi temple
3: well and i'm gonna save it i think uh I think this is a reflection of weird Christian morality within our own society that George Lucas is almost subconsciously reproducing in his ideas of morality for this universe. There, it makes sense. It's not just me talking about masturbation. Saved it. (laughs) The the chat is just people mocking me. (laughs)
2: I stand with you. I feel like it. Some it really so many of these conversations, though, like sum up in a nutshell, the problem with the Star Wars franchise, at least outside the originals. I mean, the originals, I think we can agree, are are really pretty well executed uh, and they have good ideas. But like the ideas in all the movies are actually pretty cool. Like like if you really break it down, they're kind of interesting. Like some of them are hit and miss, but a lot of them are interesting and they could go in a really good direction. And then every time with the prequels and sequels, it just misses the mark. I think there's some good movies in the sequels that get kind of close to it. Um, like, But, I mean, we have to look at the last movie, like the ninth movie. We can immediately see like how they really completely diverge from what would have been a cool you know, storyline. And, and with the prequels, obviously, they just completely trash these ideas that could have been cool. The critique could have been there. This would be a really deep film if it was, but it's just not because we know it's not intentional.
3: There is a certain amount of that like office meme where like Oscar is like, I want to like analyze it, but I know there is no content. And like, I think that there is a certain amount of this that is George Lucas just thought it was cool and put it in the movie. And then other people were like, no, it makes sense. It's like, no, he just wanted to have the wizards be able to shoot lightning out of their hands like that. It doesn't have to make sense, buddy, but then George Lucas kind of tries to make it make sense. And then, yeah, there's, there's a lot of like trying to make it make sense that the original series didn't have to deal with. And I think that makes them stronger movies. Any other feels? I feel like I just, I really shot that conversation in the head, but I'm glad we we could reach this point of, uh, of like, just, I would, I would call it Jedi like silence where we've just sort of reached a very, we're in balance, I would say as a chat. Should we turn? Uh, to the kind of "what the fuck is the Republic?" question. Yeah. Cool, Greg. Thank you for the enthusiasm. <laughs> um, so yeah, we I think we've been up to this point uh, really dwelling in the realm of bourgeois idealism, and so I want us to turn now to a, a kind of systemic, I would say, Marxist political economic critique of the fraudulent institution that is the old Republic and the myths that have been built up around it. I think. I started to think about this and then went down a pretty serious hole. I think I'm just going to bring up a couple of key issues um, and then we can dig into it. So yeah, I'm just going to run through a couple of the key issues I started to run into and then maybe we can like circle back to a couple of them. Um, The Republic claims to be about democracy, but I think there are, obvious issues with representation within this system. Um, the Senate has an equal representation for each world, which we know from our own fucking country isn't the best idea. Is there like a space Wyoming that is enforcing sort of conservative human rule over this galaxy? Um, are there, uh, like each planet gets an equal number of senators regardless of the number of citizens. Also, for some reason, private corporations get representation in the Senate, which further dilutes any sort of actual claim to democracy. Um, there have examples of like planets like Naboo, where the Gungans initially do not have any sort of representation in the delegation. And when we look at the delegations, most of them are single, like one single race per planet, which in this universe we know is highly unrepresentative. So are most of them operating on these sort of racial hierarchy systems that the Republic makes no effort to confront? Uh, there also appears to be a human supremacist tint to the uh, to the uh, Republic, much less the empire, um, where there are multiple uh, worlds that are represented by humans and the chancellorship is held subsequently by two humanoids in a row despite the fact that there are multiple other like just hundreds and hundreds of other species in this universe are the humans part of some sort of past colonial project are there space reparations there's obvious issues there is the republic a democracy or is it some sort of strange oligarchic institution even before the empire officially declares it to be an empire um and what are your folks what are folks's reads on that
4: So this is like, for my it's like a lot of worlds that like they have senators, but like they don't have like any like uh like if they don't like have any resources that are valuable, or if they're in between two more powerful um, planets, then they're not actually listened to. And that was that was another reason for like a lot of them just like saying, "All right, I'm gonna." I'm just gonna be with the separatists. As what I understood it as, they didn't, the Republic did not do a good job of uh, give representation to like most planets. It was just kind of like the, the inner most planets and the ones that were across like certain trade routes that got like any of the resources
3: which I think is sort of a reflection of a more oligarchic or capitalist democracy in that like your actual democratic rights are tied more to your productive capacity or proximity to the core, which I think is sort of a blend of feudalism and capitalism. Maybe it's mercantilism.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's weird, right? Because even like within the republic, every planet still had its own governing system on their home world. A lot of them were monarchies, but there were some planets that were just outright warlord planets where like whoever had the large like dictatorships where whoever had the largest army won uh, or even not even one but just would have like you know equal competing governments but they would all only send one senator uh so like even if it was a democracy like it failed on like the most basic level of like whatever the local politics were And like there was, they never seen like George Lucas never seemed to wrestle with like, oh, like there are these worlds where there's clearly like, you know, either oppression of other people or just like, there is no one government yet we still only have one representative. And yeah, definitely a lot of space racism, which uh, also likened to like America where it was like, yeah, no, like we don't, like, it's not racist. Like there are black people here but at the end of the day as soon as like the empire took over like they were like real heavy on the on the space racism
3: and i think that they're building on a foundation of space racism within within the republic i think the next point i have here sort of might touch on a little bit of what you're saying there around like the kind of differences of planets which is just basically like this idea of the outer rim which is sort of an interesting category that gets applied to certain planets. So, I just to use the example of like Tatooine, which is somehow between Naboo and Coruscant, but it's considered part of the Outer Rim. Which I don't know if they were just flying away from Naboo in a random direction and ended up in the Outer Rim. It's a little confusing, but basically, like it starts to bring up this question of like, are there like this is a pretty well-known planet. People consistently go there in the canon. Um, It's identified as like a scrapping place as well as a, um, a site to like for illegal activity. But are these plants potentially just intentionally outside of Republic control? Um, Like they're clearly identified. They're known. The Republic has the authority potentially to intervene. um, But perhaps they're part, key parts of the economy that use slave labor, which is uh, like, it's sort of sounds to me in the way in which like the United States will say like, well, we're not affiliated with that distributor. We just sort of like outsource to them Um, and whatever they're doing, oh, we can condemn it. But it sort of seems like a critical part of the Republic infrastructure is to have this sort of rim of worlds where the laws and democracy do not apply and where there can be sort of hyper exploitation in order to uh, kind of maintain uh, maintain the Republic and, and push it forward. I think like even the way that like the Trade Federation is able and like large corporate interests are able to play a role in these planets it seems sort of like a built-in part of the system as opposed to a defect. Um, and like I'd like put forward the idea that the outer rim is actually a term used to obscure the fact that these planets are necessary to the Republic's functioning and or that the Republic is so weak that it fails to secure basic liberty for many of the people within its space. Um, like Padme appears to be surprised that slavery still exists. Um, on any planet, um, which sounds like there's a pretty strong a propaganda campaign to imply that the Republic has eliminated slavery in the galaxy, despite the fact that, that it's clearly not true. And we're shown that over and over again, um, that, uh, yeah, it's essentially a, there's a whole series of worlds that exist as sort of like these fascist ethnostates or sort of murderous societies uh, with decentralized authority and like slave economies. Um, And so either the Republic knows of these things and chooses not to intervene or it cannot. And in either case, it, I think, proves that the Republic is a pretty fraudulent representative institution. Like if you, if you can't secure liberty for your citizens, it seems like you can't secure much else. And you might just be there to facilitate economic exploitation of the galaxy, Um, in which case the Republic could be classified as a bourgeois um, sort of like primitive accumulationist government. Yeah. And I think that also opens up all sorts of like questions of like, Is this really a peaceful system? Is this a a symptom of decay? Is this the system working or is this the system declining? Are like are private military contractors a huge part of protection in this universe because there isn't a centralized military? Um, The outer rims as a concept sort of beyond Republic control yet still somehow important and connected to the Republic economy opens up a whole series of, of strange questions here, which maybe I have just thought about too much now having written this outline but I'm curious if y'all have any thoughts about how that plays in or like connections back to the real world and the way we kind of externalize certain regions.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I would like to bring up the point of like, we think of it as like, (laughs) not to be funny, but like when we think of like the world, like our world, we think of it as like a flat plane, even though like the earth isn't flat, but like every like distance is like, you know, like they're straight lines, right? But like with it, we're talking about like in a in a four dimensional, not four dimensional, in a 3D space that is space, like planets can be in like the outer rim isn't a like flat plane, but like a circle that goes out from the center of what like is Coruscant and like the, the sort of central core planets. So like just to your point of like Tatooine being like near Naboo, but like it's called an outer rim planet like it it could be like near naboo in like a a lateral or like horizontal plane but like far away from everything else on a vertical axis that makes sense but no i mean and there's to the other point like especially like where as we go into the clone wars there is a lot of like talk about like every to, to the like i understand like from what was like presented in the movie there were like neutral or not. There were there was either like the separatists or the people who were like falling to the republic. But then there were also like allowed to be like neutral planets, who would be protected or not by the clone armies, based upon like the economic resources there and like what was able to like. Yeah, I mean, I guess it was it was like strategic based on like both economy and like uh, war plans. Like which planets are most important and where should we put the resources to even like maintain these planets, which like I would think even before the war, that was a thing, right? Like, why would we go maintain a planet that has no like vested, like you only get one Senator, none of the other planets near you find any value in like working with you because of a a local unstable government. Like, why would they? Uh, So yeah, like just the idea that like economic production is like key to what goes on, and then that also determines like who who holds power in Senate. And even when you talk about like corporations having power within, having seats within Senate, they still had to be ba- they weren't based in random places in space, right? So like essentially, those corporations also serve the economic interest of whatever planets they were occupying.
4: If they just would have like just not even paid attention to that, because like it just seems like way too much to even dive into. You feel me? Like, I, and it's just the the republic like just they bit off a lot more than they could chew when they couldn't even like provide resources to the <laughs> to you know to the planets closer to them. It was. It, it seemed like a real futile attempt when they could have spent more time just trying to do better with what was around. If that makes sense.
0: I mean, even I mean, that's that's like a fair point, but that's like saying if you look at, I mean, even just like our world, right? Like, there's a parallel between like what looks like the Middle East, what people call like the the Middle East, is what people typically think is you know nothing but desert. Or like even Africa is just nothing but jungles but when you look at like and it shows up in Star Wars when you're looking at like Tatooine and like other planets where there's a, like there's a lot of economic activity that goes through these planets but people don't live there right you look at Coruscant and it's like a bumbling it's like a bustling city with like nothing but like you know 50 foot tall or not 50, 50 story tall skyscrapers is like the minimum for a building. And everybody is flying in cars. Like you don't see people walking unless they're going in the bars. Uh, so they can't just like let these go because like there is a exploited exploitative culture of like we take resources from these planets and push them into the central more like developed worlds.
3: Yeah, no, I, and I think that like this all points back to my argument at least from my perspective, it points back to it, of like, this is not a functioning democracy. It is a, a an oligarchy and essentially almost like a um, imperial center speaking in the name of democracy um, to justify itself and then not applying that democracy either where it is difficult or where it is inconvenient. And I think that that, that echoes a lot of how the United States might view the the concept of democracy um and i I wonder how much of that is intentional on george lucas's part how much of that is not thinking it through and how much of that is almost subconscious like not like basically you can declare democracy in your intentions as opposed to like having it be an outcome that you examine and like have to follow through on
0: also apparently there was galactic gerrymandering i just dropped a picture in the facebook chat but if you look at like where they kind of they define the the galaxies like the core worlds, the colonies, the inner rim, the expansion rim, the mid rim, and then everything outside is the outer rim. But like, not a perfect. Only the core worlds is a is a perfect circle. Every once you get like past the colonies, it starts to get wonky of them like expanding and like drawing lines.
3: Uh, I guess. Yeah, based on my gerrymandering. The point is, is that it is pretty undemocratic. Um, So yeah, to keep us moving forward, we're we're running a little long here. Um, I have, I think a couple more points here. We don't have to go through all of them, but we touched a little bit on this concept of the army earlier and the issue of clones within that army. The Jedi sort of being a pretty ineffective force for as like a peacekeeping force once there was any sort of opposition uh, I think there's a couple of key questions within the army question though, around like, it appears that armies exist, there are planetary armies, there are like sort of these, the trade federation as a intraplanetary force exists. So is that the, is the primary like military in this galaxy, a military contractor or a private military in the service of a corporation? In which case, how does the galaxy maintain order? Or is it sort of like, is the government a shadow government? Um and then I think Greg you also brought up before we started this point of like are there no other galaxies that might show up and possibly that was behind the reason why a lot of this happened. Do you want to maybe just go into that really briefly?
0: Uh yeah I, I none of it is canon anymore because Mickey Mouse came and rewrote history uh but there is this uh, there are uh planets that have their own militaries their own like standing forces but none that are like they're mostly for like planetary disputes right or even like interplanetary dispute uh and there's even like the mandalorians are like a known race of people of like humanoid people who like are mercenaries who like you know are basically hired to then go do other like almost like every planet kind of focuses in on uh, core services, so like the Mandalorians serve as uh, mercenaries, whereas the genotians, which are like the, the bug aliens that show up in the Clone Wars are known as like weapon makers and they're the ones who actually came up with the plans for the Death Star initially. Uh, and then there are other galaxies, but they're like far out and there are even like regions of space where like people just don't explore because They don't know what's for whatever reason they don't know what's out there even though everybody's got spaceships uh and there's this idea of palpatine as sort of like an anti-hero at some point uh in all of his you know craving for power he does consolidate the galaxy into a uh cohesive unit like an actual functioning government government even though it's a dictatorship and once the empire falls in later in the books, there is another galaxy of like colonists who come in and pretty much take over the galaxy. And it is like a, a expansion of books of basically like the, all the Republic heroes in the New Republic trying to survive between like fighting what are the remnants of the empire and like maintaining like a democratic government while being under invasion, which, you know, theoretically wouldn't have happened under Palpatine.
3: Not to have this just be Greg and I talking, but yeah, I mean, that was one of my big problems in this is just that the galaxy pretends that there are no other galaxies as though no other galaxy could like intrude. And therefore, even if they had a system where they didn't need a military for intra planetary disputes, which seems like they very much didn't have that. But even if they did, there does seem to be this question of like, what if another galaxy shows up? That is very unanswered in the George Lucas explanation of the galaxy Cool. Well, then maybe we can turn just briefly or however long we want to, to this question of, of the droids and to the clones. I think we talked a little bit about the clones as sort of a group of humanoids created explicitly for the purpose of war, maybe almost mirroring the way that droids are created for very specific purposes, yet problematically are sentient in this universe. Like they want things, they have the ability to fear, feel fear and seek self-preservation. Um, like even the battle droids at different points appear like worried that the Jedi are near them. Um, Though it does seem questionable whether the super battle droids do, they seem to be less emotional in the in the prequels. But um, yeah, they're put in incredibly dangerous situations and essentially treated like slaves who are expendable, yet even below like some sort of like living being. Yet I think that sort of is an artificial line between a being that is created by like maybe organic organisms um, versus like, potentially having the same consciousness as organic organisms. Um, And in, like, Solo and some of those other movies, they talk, there's, like, advocates of droid liberation. Are there, like, independent droid systems? Are there droid liberation wars? Is there a space Harper's Ferry where people attempt to, like, break the restraining bolts and arm sentient droids for, like, some sort of revolution against their oppressors? And similarly with the clones, like, how, how does that work? I think they They imply that they are somehow bred for obedience which is a weird eugenicist concept that george sort of just decides to base the military on but um yeah how did you all engage with the concept of droids and specifically like i feel like the prequel sort of like put it front and center by having a droid force be present constantly but then are they potentially like worthy of liberation and should we like you know as good leftists analyzing this universe potentially advocate droid liberation as a prerequisite to true galactic democracy
1: uh short answer yes <laughs> i i've been thinking about that a little bit as i've been watching the clone like the clone wars series um just because like the clone like the the droids like those the ones that are like bronzy with the like long noses <laughs> i don't know how to sit there uses comic relief a lot and like with that comic relief like you're seeing them um you're seeing them like get thrown off of like mountainsides and like blown up and like their their last words are sort of like um kind of meant to get people to laugh and it's a cartoon and it is funny but um it does it humanizes them more i think than i remember from the movies they've got like i don't know it's a it's a it's a Western movies, so you need like clear good guy, clear bad guy. And I think that the, you've got like some of the droids that we like are encouraged to care about. You've got like R2, C3PO, and then like which all the ones that are kind of employed to like um, do maintenance and stuff around bases and on like rebel ships. Um, and it's really easy to see them as human and like care about them when like ships blast off and they're not on them yet or whatever. Um, But then everybody else is, yeah, kind of just expendable. And honestly, I I feel like at some point the franchise would just run out of, like, people. Because if it was all, if it all had to be people, um, I don't know where I'm going with this anymore. Short answer is yes, I'll yield the floor.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. I actually had never thought about it. uh, But, like, even just in general, like, the importance of droids in the entire universe. Like, every... Sky, every like main character of the series has a droid. Uh and I'm to, I'm talking about like Anakin, Luke, uh Ray all have their like droid companions and they the, the adventure technically never doesn't start until they get their droid companion. Uh and arguably like the entire series is told through the perspective of the droids because they are always there, even when Anakin has his secret marriage to Padme. Uh, the CP3O and I think even R2-D2 are right there, right? Like the, they are sort of the historians of the Star Wars universe. Uh, and then just also the fact that there is a restraining bolt on droids like implies that they are not built to be con- like controlled, but they are like, this is an ad- addition to their uh, programming. Uh, it's like a, a whole interesting concept. And I just looked it up, apparently there was a droid revolution, like 4,000 years before like the start of the, the series, but it happened and it failed. And yeah, sort of like Soraya said, they their attempts to like humanize it and make like those battles and things more interesting by like making the droids be sentient, uh, or at least like the basic droids be sentient and like have these comic relief makes it more, hard to digest if you look to if you think about it too hard versus like the the scarier droids uh you know they're they're mostly silent they don't say anything they kind of just come in like they're they're the ones that come in when things get serious and the jedi can't just like run through and chop everyone up right and then like the addition of like general grievous who's a cyborg not a droid but like for like you don't know that unless you like dig deeper into the lore, right like general grievous just seems like looks like a droid but he like acts like as if he were
2: like some other sort of race of of being yeah I actually I didn't know anything about the um like because when you when it was written into the agenda about the restraining bolts and stuff I didn't I thought that was like metaphorical I didn't realize that there were actual restraining bolts like what I could someone like go into that more because I actually don't know anything about that like is it like a software thing is it like a mechanical thing like hardware that prevents them from being free will. Restraining bolts were small cylindrical devices
0: that could be affixed to a droid in order to limit its functions and enforce its obedience.
2: Hmm. Yeah I didn't know that existed that that just makes it weirder like why wouldn't you if you can make droids like so is it the understanding that all the main droids we see in the series have those restraining, restraining bolts or is it like because I, I can't imagine the battle droids would have it because they're making them in-house. So why would they make them capable of something else when they just gonna are going to put restraining bolts on them? Like, is it just like the, the main series droids, like C-3PO and R2-D2? So I think it is, the purpose of it might be
0: like, almost like, I mean, this is also like pre-internet, right? So we weren't really into like the software wasn't like a, you know, well-known idea. It's probably just more of the limit of, like, George Lucas's uh, creativity. But from my understanding, it's, like, there's a uh, a controller that exists with every restraining bolt. So, like, if you were to, like, get a new droid, you would take out, I guess you would switch out its restraining bolt with one that, like, you just had access to. And apparently they were used with, like, other things, like, they were black. It's, it, yeah, it seems more as, like, a a tool that's mostly used with droids, but it could be used with any type of technology to like basically like limit its use to like a, a specified user.
1: Yeah, I think, I think that makes sense. If you remember uh, that scene right as uh, like Luke is supposed to be cleaning R2 right after they get them um, from the Jawas and he takes off the restraining bolt so they can hear Leia's message that I, I, got, I got the
4: sense that it was only a tool for like, like the servant-like droids.
0: And the movie kind of leaves slavery. <laughs> they put it on the table and then just don't talk about it. It's like the centerpiece of the galactic
2: uh of, of the whole galaxy. Yeah. I uh, I mean, sorry, did uh that was a, that was uh I that was a good comparison with uh with elves and Harry Potter, but um I don't know, Greg's point was good too about the about like slavery <laughs> being like at the heart of like the polito- political economy uh for the republic and and then the empire both for like human slavery and in um, alien and uh, like non-human and, and droids, But um, I, it's weird to me, like, I, I think it's also interesting to think about that dynamic that you have with, like, droids like C-3PO and R2-D2, because it's like, okay, like, I, I still, I don't think it's clear that, like, we know what R2-D2 is, like, self, like, like, like I, we don't know exactly, like, how sentient R2-D2 is, because it's all beeps and boops and the other characters have to translate for us, but it's, like, implied that him and C-3PO are, like, pretty pretty sentient but then they have that weird relationship with the main characters where they're just kind of there (laughs) they're just kind of there uh with other like non-droids and i it seems it's it's weird because it's like i can't tell if the other people like if the people see them but as that like, even, like
1: we're kind of getting into the of like because <laughs> they kind of treat like them like chum- like they're kind of chummy so, with them dude, but just accepting of the i guess you never these, get the like,
2: sense though that they're they, they can't have their own free will it's always kind of like well can you do this for me just,
1: some of them are they just subservient. do
0: it um and movies i mean are i think there's also this idea of like Almost like if you were to, like, go to a rich person, it's, it's It's almost like Batman and Alfred for, like, anybody who, you know, watches comics. Like, nobody's gonna go to Alfred and tell Alfred what to do. They'll ask Bruce Wayne to, like, tell Alfred what to do or, like, Batman. Like, even, like, if you've seen, like, you know, Justice League uh, shows where, like, another Justice League member comes to the, uh, like, has an interaction with Alfred, it's not in, like, Oh, this is my this is a butler that anybody in the house can tell what to do. It's like that's Batman's butler, and because it's Bruce Wayne or Batman's butler, he gets uh, a a higher level of respect than if you were to see a random butler on the street, right? Like there's levels to like even there's hierarchy even within like the serve the those who serve, right? So if you're serving somebody as like C three PO and R2-D2 are both, like, serving, like, the senator or queen of Naboo and, like, you know, uh, you know, Master uh, General Anakin, General Skywalker, like, they are treated with a higher level of respect than some random
2: droid that's, uh, you know, walking around. Yeah, I think that makes sense of, like, oh, maybe it's, like, kind of proposed as, like, the egalitarian way to, like, Treat like slave enslaved droids like basically like oh you know it's fine if you do it as long as you're nice to them and don't ask them to do too much or whatever and even if you do just be nice to them and and you know treat them a certain way and it's fine even though they don't have a choice but it's weird too like okay this is just random but like I don't know I just think it's wild too that they thought it was like why did they, why did they put C-3PO and R2-D2 in the prequels in the first place? They had no reason to do that. (sighs) That still makes me upset. And also the fact that Anakin made C-3PO, like, why? Like, why did you? The droid served a purpose, right? Like,
0: C-3PO was a translator droid. Like, he had a very specific, he could speak, you know, every language in the galaxy. And he he served a purpose. He was, like, very, like, diplomatic and things like that. And it, like, it didn't make sense in the four through uh, six, right? Other than like, why were they together? Where the R2-D2 was like a battle droid, not a battle droid. He was like a an assistant fighter pilot or whatever. Like I, I can't remember like exactly what his, his title was, but like he would always, like he was, his type of droid would always like occupy the whatever fighter plane that Anakin or like Luke was in to like help assist Right, so like, why are these two together? And like, the prequels kind of explain, like, oh, they have a history, and like, their original purposes were those things, uh, and they've gone through, like, they're, they're basically like the the thing, like they're they're, they're, the, they're the storytellers, right? Uh, but also still serving I mean, their purposes.
3: Yeah, but there's like so like that. There's just so many other questions to come up with that. Like, hey, what work was Shmi Skywalker doing as a slave where she needed her own interpreter droid that like you know her and ins- her master would not have like somehow found a way to do- like was she just like trying to translate a thousand alien languages before that what was her job within Watto's business like that's never w- weirdly defined like the-, the whole dynamics of like the slave anakin being able to build a droid amidst being enslaved by Watto like i don't know if george knows what enslavement is or he didn't flesh out those dynamics at all But then, yeah, like I mean, there's also like C-3PO's mind repeatedly gets wiped, which seems like a pretty major violation, but R2-D2's doesn't, which implies that the humans don't perceive R2-D2 as totally, like, sentient on the same level as C-3PO, essentially because C-3PO looks more similar to them, like which opens up a whole other series of questions. Like, despite R2-D2 being just as intelligent, he is treated as less, but then that allows him to be more of the, like, full memory of the galaxy in a way like there's just a bunch of problems i mean yeah c3PO can speak but like r2d2 like uh, clearly people can understand him like they respond to him directly it's just like another dialect of beeps and whistles and just yeah there's just like uh just like harry potter when you think about it too much or really at all it's pretty troubling that everyone's just like yeah droids are a thing they feel pain and they're sad when you leave but we just treat them like shit and then send them to die when we don't want them anymore, or it's useful to us.
1: This doesn't help at all, but I think in some cases, like with, uh, what is it? BB-8 and a little bit kind of like with R2 and Dio, they're kind of like the droids that kind of remind me of pets. And so, I don't know, thinking about it that way, like if, if if, R2 is like a puppy kind of a really smart puppy and C3PO is like more humanoid like you wouldn't necessarily have to wipe R2 because people wouldn't think to do that um which can be to an advantage or a disadvantage of like depending on what side you're looking at um I don't know what that adds to this conversation but I am petting my dog and that's what made me think about it It's just sort of like 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 the droids are just sort of like a helpful additional container that you can build characters in, I feel like, for the Star Wars franchise. And then they take on all these different roles. It's kind of like how Mickey Mouse or no, it's kind of like how Pluto is a dog and Goofy is also a dog, but they're treated differently in, you know, the Mickey Mouse canon. Um, The droids are all sort of taking on these roles, uh, depending on what's necessary for the story.
3: Cow. I think my troubling point here is that if the additional container is sentient slavery is probably not an okay thing for that container
1: yeah part agree um mm, but then we get into the, the conversation about like programming like you have a sentient you have a sentient being that's really committed to the pro to their programming and will because of that it's 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 a level of manipulation i guess because you can as some sort of coding mastermind build like manipulate a sentient being into doing whatever you say because of programming but i don't know all of it's uncomfortable (laughs) but like i i i can see why like a droid revolution isn't a big part of the, the series as we have it in front of us
3: well, I think we're, we're getting closer to the end here. So I, I think I'm going to push push through into what is really my only point ever, which is an intergalactic call for proletarian revolution. And I think that basically my argument here is that under the Republic and under the Empire, working people's conditions changed very little. There also is a massive enslaved population in the form of literal slaves of, of like sentient organic life forms and sentient inorganic life forms in the form of droids and clones. Point is, there is a wide swath of people who whoever leads the society, their lives are not getting better. And I think that the leftist position in this universe is to call for the workers of the industrial forge worlds and of the outlying systems to unite with droids and clones to form a common front against a economic and political system that exploits all of them that justifies the slavery of organic and inorganic life forms alike in the interest of capital on a intergalactic scale. Basically, we should be arguing for a series of films. If I was going to cast the next series of films, it would be a workers' uprising against this cycle of violence and destruction that does nothing to even attempt to improve the lives of everyday people. A really fascinating, like episode 10, 11, 12, would be digging into those questions of like people rising up against this cycle of violence and noble rule um, and fighting for uh, true liberation. I understand that I have now spoken and laid out a, I think in- irrefutable argument to these things, but I'm wondering what y'all feel about that. Have we made a good argument for that through our discussion of the prequels and how are you feeling uh, in general? Nah, no. Fuck more. you, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Wow. <laughs> I, mean, I just think it's
0: ineffective to be able to like govern from large, like across large, uh, s- like such large distances without like, even like their Hallownet is very like a shitty version of the internet. Uh, they're, you know, on average, it takes like at least, they're, they're, actually, they're, they're not clear about how long it takes to travel between planets, but it does not seem efficient. Yeah. Uh, you know, every planet has different cultures, different, like, multiple beings. Some of them are, like, pure evil. They're, like, even, like, hive minds, that planets where, like, they just don't go to them because they'll just end up getting taken over and have, like, a galactic uh, hive mind. Like, there's too much going on in this universe, uh, in this galaxy, for them to really have any type of effective, like, government, whether, like, for the people or for the the bourgeoisie, and they kind of just need to call it quits and just prepare <laughs> prepare for the eventual uh, culling that comes from the evil space colonists.
3: So Greg is in favor of the galaxy being taken over by space colonists as a form of solving its internal problems. Where does everyone else stand?
2: Hive Mind.
3: Hive Mind. Greg is in favor of Hive Mind <laughs> as a solution. Everyone else's positions.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, without thinking about it too deeply, um, I think I would definitely favor, uh, people rising up for freedom, um, and, and ending, uh, exploitation. So I would, I think something that would be pretty compelling in that, uh, that potential trilogy, um, would be kind of like navigating what it means. So like people have like, people would be like having, you know, I'm assuming like, all their lives, and for, like, centuries, possibly thousands of years, I don't know how old the galaxy is supposed to be, but, like, droids have been around for a while, they've always been subservient, Um, you know, I feel, and slavery has been normalized in a lot of places for a long time, so I feel like it'd be interesting to go through not only those, like, prejudices that people have of, like, that's just, like, kind of their norm, and also, like, the class conflict between, like, working-class, like, humanoids or like non-humanoids that are sentient, but they work alongside like droids or whatever. And the droids really help them with their job. Like they couldn't do their job without the droids. And because of that, because they're they're also within a hierarchy, you know, there's people above them, but they're also above the droids. So I think that'd be kind of interesting to think about too from like a class conflict and cultural standpoint. I'm
1: gonna hop in because I agree with Sharif I think so long as we're in a sci fi movie, we might as well plan out a sci fi movie where it's possible for revolution to happen and be successful. Yeah, I don't know what paths that would lead us like if we were to like try to propose like like a trilogy that addressed these issues. But without, I feel like without like engaging with this conflict of like what's how slavery like maintains the economy throughout the galaxy and that and how that includes like people and androids and like clones um, i i'm less uh, i'm less invested in like hearing about the, like the long-term part of the story cuz basically we're just watching like a like three very long character arcs of a person like having inner battles between good and evil without any sort of structural analysis
3: jazz uh, do you support intergalactic proletarian revolution or uh, what would you what would you like to see the universe do as a way to like, kind of deal with its internal contradictions? I would.
4: Just, just the one time I want I wanted to start off where they go to wipe C-3PO's mind. He's like, nah, son, you good. And that is the beginning of the revolution. And R two is like, you know what? That's true. And
3: he pulls a gun. Yeah, he
4: just got, it. he just got that thing tucked. <laughs> he stayed ready. He was like, I want to remember. I don't want to forget.
0: Yeah, man. Oof. I would love that one. Didn't they both get wiped this time?
3: No, R two D two is still the original memory of everything.
0: I'm asking. Yeah, R two got everything.
4: That's
3: also like a huge security problem. <laughs> I like that. Honestly, that would be an awesome start to the new trilogy is they go to wipe C-3PO's mind for, like, the third time, and he's like, no, I've been talking to R2. Fuck you all. And then that's the start of, like, the arc into some sort of intergalactic revolution.
2: Yeah, that would be amazing, like, so yeah, C-3PO, like, yeah, so R2-D2 catches them up on everything that's happened for the past, like, what, 50 years or something, like, I don't even know how long it's been, Uh, more than that, probably, right, because the sequels, so, Mm -hmm. like, decades and decades of history catches them up, I also, I, I mean, this is just a side note, but, like, all the, the things on C-3PO's arms, I feel like, must, in, like, inhibit his mobility. So I feel like breaking those, like, shackles on his arms would, like, help he could hold a blaster. Also, we forget that R2-D2 in, uh, was it the third movie, they gave him, like, a ton of weapons. Like, he had the whole, like, jet blasters that he used to light gasoline on fire. He has the zapper thing. Like, he has weapons. Like, they could literally, like, start it right then and there. And then I think someone mentioned this in the chat last night too. I think maybe Saraya about like how, like what happened to all the droid armies then? I bet you they're just out there. Like, so there's still, there's a droid army just waiting for them. So they just got to rise up, get a couple more organizers on board and find the, the kind of nascent droid army that's just
3: waiting for them. So I, I think this is a real plan. Droid Worker Soviet, the new trilogy. Let's go talk to Disney. I'm sure they'll be on board.
2: And, and it should take place after the New Republic, because the New Republic's, like, fledgling. Like, they just, like, won this war. So they're weak.
3: Like, they could definitely take power here. And it fucking sucks. All it's trying to do is be like, remember that thing we did that failed horribly and didn't solve any problems and just led to the current order? Let's do that again. It's the Joe Biden of governments. Just basically trying to, like, you know what? Let's go back to that time before and do it again. It'll be better this time. I promise. Vote for me slightly dead guy we're really nailing this conclusion
4: full circle
3: full circle we nailed it joe biden came back at the end he's the reoccurring character in all of our episodes so yeah we're gonna, this was about the prequels um <laughs> i don't know i think the next series might be equal because or better a little bit because we laid the groundwork here um but I think I think we're at an end. Uh, is there anything else folks want to add before we conclude here, or are we are we pretty much concluded? Have we planned the new movies? We're we're doing good.
2: Uh, yeah, I feel
0: good. I don't have anything else to add. I just feel like we uh we didn't give the clones enough love as the the backbone. Daw, oh, that's that's where.
4: Yes, yes, Greg. Yes,
0: of securing the Republic yes. and the Empire, like truly the clones. Are the greatest. And also, like the fact that, like, the clones were then replaced by just like general poor people in the empire because, like, why pay for like genetically superior uh, soldiers when you could just have people who barely know how to shoot? And then also, when the like new empire or what do they call themselves? Like, I mean, that's 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 future. The first order comes, new order, and the first order they again, I guess train or genetically modify people they're they're not really clear on that but the stormtroopers the clones the the first order truly
2: uh is the backbone of the 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 real stars of of star wars yeah they're definitely the the mvps of the universe i mean they they, i mean think, think about their resume too like think about the cv right they got, they they were made in, like, a couple of years, and then just thrown into a whole war, won that war with the droids, killed the Jedis in the process, too, and then, yeah, like you said, went on to, like, maintain the empire for the first couple of decades, and all of this, too, and they weren't, it wasn't even, like, like, they, I mean, do they even realize, like, what they've done? Because, like, Order 66 was, like, a microchip, so, like, they they, they don't even, most of them, like 99% of them, like don't even know really what happened there. Like they're not, I, I, I wouldn't, I don't know if they're even considered like fully sentient in that fact, or maybe that's the wrong word, but like they don't even have a firm grip on, on, on what's really happened.
3: We're gonna have to have like clone re-education planets where they just go to like learn how to like have a hobby and like kind of be annoyed at like a middle management job. And just, like, yeah, just, like, get them accustomed to, like, having independence from a military command structure where they kill people. Well, don't man. they age
2: quicker, though, too? Because they grow quicker than a normal, like, humanoid, right? So I think they die more Yeah, quickly.
3: it's not clear whether they, like, speed up and then, like, slow down or whether they just, like, warp speed all the way through life. And it's, like, a 7- to 10-year life cycle.
2: Yeah, I don't know. It's sad either way you look at it.
1: I think they're sped up. I think it's, like... Dub- i think it's just double like a five-year-old would be a 10-year-old because like boba fett i think is he supposed to be like 10 so like it's been 20 so it's been 20 years for the or, uh, so it's been 10 years for the rest
0: of the clones right boba fett's not modified though it's just the rest of them but darth vader's personal like stormtroopers are clone are like original clones
2: like, how far into the into the universe, though? Like, what movies are we talking about? Oh, I think, like, 4, 5, and 6 are still his original, like, the 51st Legion is still the originals. Well, then that just means they're old, right? Unless they get reprogrammed differently. They're, like, you know, they're, like, 40-year-olds that are that are trying to defend this uh,
3: leader of the galaxy. Or they're replenished from Kamino. And, like, you know, basically works for Vader now. But...
0: No, they destroyed Kamino at one point. Oh,
3: okay. I guess you gotta blow up. They just like blowing up whole planets. There's a lot of genocide in Star Wars. Well, no, I think they just killed them. They didn't blow up. The oh, planet. okay. They just shot. They shot everyone. Different, different genocide.
0: Yeah, because like uh, in well, I don't know what about the current universe, but like there are some of them that still exist because they make a clone of
3: Palpatine at some point. Yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. Long necked people says Sharif. <laughs> Um, I think we should draw this to a close. We're running over two hours, but I think this was well worth it to our listeners. Um, we're gonna do the original series, God help us, and then the uh new series, even more gods help us. And yeah, some of these people will be there, some of these people might have better things to do. We might get other people. Who can say? I didn't plan this out past this episode. So uh thank you all so much for joining in Uh, does anybody want to shout out social media tags or anything that's what they do at the end of podcasts I don't know death to capitalism is my tagline but has anybody else got um like a social media or project they're working on they want to shout out really quick
1: I am co-host over on Wokopod, the woman of color organizing podcast um we have recently started doing our Black Feminist Friday chill chats, so you can come through with me and Crystal if ever you want to hear me talk more, um, and hang out.
0: Buy some buttons and t-shirts and things from the Brick and Mortar Collective to support these podcasts and others like them.
3: And yeah, we're trying to pay for heat this winter, so that helps. Um, and yeah. Uh, we'll be back next week with either another Star Wars episode or something else we dream up, but we're eventually going to do all the Star Wars movies. This was fun. Give us
4: five-star review.
3: I always forget that, yeah. Any podcast platform.
4: Or we will believe you're a hater. Yeah. Anything other than that. Unacceptable.
3: Yeah, if you, if you don't want to give us five stars, don't review us at all, but please give us five stars on all platforms. Um, go to new platforms, download our podcast, give us five stars, help us expand we have currently you are one of the chosen few of three dozen listeners and we want to get to four dozen and i think we can do it so keep getting the word out keep spreading the podcast and uh yeah we'll talk to y'all soon when we talk about the original trilogy and objectively better series of films despite the fact that it still endorses droid slavery and the feuding between kind of uh bloodlines which is a weird plot to build a movie around but yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Bye everybody. Bye y'all. Good to see you.